Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers here. Uh, We're glad that you're all here uh, to worship with us today. The Bible talks a lot about fathers. Ephesians 3, 14 through 16, I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures written out on the back or study questions as well. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner being. And so we have a heavenly father. And each one of us here today who is a believer is his child. So we are God's children. And the father of every family in heaven and earth is named after the heavenly father. We are to pattern our families after his big family. And so the authority, the leadership of every earthly father comes from our heavenly father. And this verse tells us that our heavenly father seeks to strengthen earthly fathers with his power through the Holy Spirit. And so as fathers, we are not to depend on our own strength, but to draw our strength from our Heavenly Father. I'd like us to watch a a short video called A Father's Strength. So I'd encourage every father this morning to open up your heart to, to receive blessing and strength from your Heavenly Father so that you can in turn be a blessing to others. Now, my message is going to be directed to fathers, but really the principles can apply to every one of us. We can each learn from it, even if we're not a father. Now, today we're beginning a new message series, which I've entitled Growing a Godly Family. And we're going to be talking about the characteristics that God wants to build into our family so that we can grow to be everything that God intended us to be. And today... Uh, I'm going to call the message, or I am calling the message, Persevere as a Father. And so as fathers, we need to learn to persevere. What does it mean to persevere? It's to make a decision to endure in following God, to keep on following God, to not give up following God. To persevere is to be determined to go with God in our lives. 2 Peter 5, 1, 5, and 6 says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness is really the same as perseverance. And so last Sunday we talked about self-control, and this Sunday we want to talk about adding perseverance or steadfastness to self-control. Now if we control ourselves for a day or two, but we don't continue and we go out of control, it really doesn't do much good. So we must persevere in self-control in order to keep on growing in God. And so as fathers, we need to persevere as examples. Examples to our families. Examples in our marriages. The role of a father is critically important in raising children who will in turn follow God. A recent study examined the role of a father in the children's attendance in church after they had grown up. Some surprising findings. The finding was if a mother was a regular church attender and the father was not, the study showed that only 2% of the children regularly attended church when they reached adulthood. If the father was a regular church attender but the mother was not, the study showed that 75% of the children became regular church attenders upon adulthood, a huge Difference, And so we see 
the great importance of a father setting the example. Now, of course, the best is both father and mother are regular church attenders to see their children follow their example. And so today we're going to talk about how, how fathers can persevere in being godly leaders in their homes, in their church, in the business world. And to do that, we need to draw our strength from God. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And so as fathers, sometimes we, we are tempted to rely on our own strength, but the Bible tells us we need to rely on God's strength. We're not strong enough to do everything that God is calling us to do. We don't know enough to do everything that God is calling us to do. We must learn how to draw our strength, how to draw our wisdom from God. We need that strength to live a life with endurance. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance. The race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And so this verse, one of my favorites, speaks of life as a race, a marathon. It's a long race. It's not a sprint. It lasts many, many years. And in the race of life, we must get, get rid of sin that tends to cling to us if we want to finish the race. Now, God has given each person a particular race. We don't all run the same race. The, the track that we run on is different. Some people have a race that's seemingly more difficult than another person. But God gives us the race that he decides for us. And we're to run the race that God has given to us with endurance. What's the opposite of endurance? It's lack of endurance. If you don't have endurance and you're running a marathon, what happens? You're not going to finish the race. You're going to drop out. And we learn from other Bible passages that to finish the race, the race of life is to receive the prize of eternal life. And so we need to endure. As fathers, we run the race. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He's He's already run the race. He's at the finish line. We need to fix our eyes on him to receive our strength and ultimately our prize at the end of the race. And how do we, how do we get the strength to finish the race, to endure? We need to be strong in God's word and prayer. Ephesians 6 says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To, the, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And so here again, we see we need to persevere. We need to endure. Now the passage in Ephesians 6 here speaks of spiritual warfare. And in the list of the equipment for God's warriors, there are only two offensive weapons. And they're listed, we talk about them here. The first is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so... When we know God's word, when we use God's word, it drives back the attacks of the enemy. We see in Jesus' example, he was tempted by Satan in the desert. And how did he repel Satan's temptations? By quoting God's word, by answering those temptations with the word of God. The second offensive weapon for God's soldier is their communication equipment, and that is prayer. We receive orders from God. And we ask for help when we're in trouble. And so praying in the Spirit with perseverance, with endurance, is how we ought to live our lives. And so as fathers, God is calling us to be strong in His strength. 
To be strong in God's strength is to live our lives seeking to follow God in every single aspect. As a father, God calls you to be the spiritual leader of your family. As a father, God calls you to be a leader in your church and in your workplace. And you can fulfill that calling by being strong in God's word and prayer. Lead your family as a father in a weekly time, at least weekly time of Bible study. Gather your family together and lead them in Bible study. Pray with your wife. Get involved in ministry in the church. Be a leader. And if you are a leader as a father in the years to come, your children will follow your lead and follow the Lord as you do. Not only are we to draw our strength from God, we are to be warriors for God. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. And so as a father draws his strength from God, God calls us as fathers to be warriors for him. Now we're not talking about being a, a soldier in the U.S. Army or something like that, but a warrior in God's army. And we wage war not with physical guns and physical weapons. We wage war with spiritual weapons. We use divine weapons. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And so the weapons that God gives us as fathers are there to demolish, to destroy strongholds in people's lives. These strongholds are spiritual strongholds. A spiritual stronghold is an area of persistent sinful behavior or persistent sinful thoughts in, in somebody's life, in a person's life. Strongholds can be areas of addiction to substances or simply sinful behavior in attitudes or actions. And strongholds are created in areas of our weakness to temptation. We talked about this another Sunday, that each one of us has weaknesses in certain areas where we're susceptible to certain types of temptations. And when the devil gets, a, uh, gets an opening in those areas, he can create a stronghold. And a stronghold is an area where you repeatedly engage in sinful behavior, whether it's outward behavior or simply in your thought life. But God has given fathers and you know, other believers as well weapons to destroy strongholds. As a father, you're responsible to destroy strongholds. First of all, in your own life, you can't be an example if you've got all these strongholds. And your family knows if you've got strongholds of sin in your life. You destroy those strongholds in your own life. But also, as a father, you have a responsibility to work on destroying and demolishing strongholds in your children's lives. Helping them to break free of these things that hold them captive. We are to destroy any opposition to God's truth. Verse 5 in the same passage. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so these strongholds in people's lives or in, even in our lives are, are demonic strongholds and they're supported. Their foundation is arguments, opinions, and thoughts that are contrary to the truth of God's word. These strongholds, they're, they're based on lies. All of Satan's strongholds, all of Satan's temptations are based on lies that are opposed to the truth of God's word. 
And so as God's warrior, as a godly father, God wants to use us to destroy the foundation of those strongholds. And we do it with the truth of God's word. We combat the falsehoods with the truth of God's word and the power of God's spirit. But we learn both for ourselves and for those in our family to, to teach and to train them to take every thought captive to God's word. Every thought captive to obey Christ. So as we've said before recently that strongholds begin in the thought life. And thoughts, sinful thoughts lead to sinful actions. Sinful actions repeated lead to different types of sinful behavior and addictions. And so God has especially built men to be warriors. That's why men are so competitive and really so into sports. The Bible says that physical exercise is of some benefit. Spiritual exercise is even more benefit because it has to do with eternity. Physical exercise has to do with this life. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing to exercise, to participate in sports. There's nothing wrong with watching a sports game or two. I watch parts of the NBA Finals. Even though I'm not a basketball fan, I, I found it entertaining, so there's nothing wrong. But we mustn't overdo it. For some men, uh, for some men, physical exercise is using the thumb on the remote, you know, and watching the other guys run around the field. Uh, you know, that's okay within reason. But there's other things God's calling us to do uh, than to just sit on the couch and watch sports all weekend. So God's got a real battle for us to be engaged in as men, as fathers. And that battle has eternal consequences, both for our lives and for our families. God has put the people in your family into your life, and you have a responsibility for them. And so as God's warrior, what is our goal to be? Well, our goal is to rescue people from captivity to Satan's stronghold. Our first responsibility is our family. You need to make sure that every single person in your family is saved, that they're going on with God, that they're growing with God, that they're being discipled. That's your responsibility as a father. And then beyond that, you have a responsibility to see the people around you saved. What about your relatives that are not in your immediate family? You're there for a purpose, to see them saved, to see them added to the church, to see them growing in God. God puts you in your workplace as a warrior to be a witness to the people in your workplace, in your neighborhood. That's who God created you to be. That's what God created you to do. And that's where the real action and excitement is, being a warrior for God, getting in the battle, and seeing victories won that have eternal consequence, that are not forgotten in the next season or even the next weekend. We need to keep our focus on the goal, the goal of life. Hebrews 10.35 says, Do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. There's that word again. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so as we persevere in our lives and serving God, we need to keep our focus on the goal. And that goal is the promise of receiving the promise of God at the end of the race, the reward of God at the end of the battle. And so to receive that reward at the end of the battle, our confidence must remain 
secure. Our faith must remain strong. Don't throw it away. This verse says, don't lose your faith. Don't lose your confidence. If you do, you're going to lose your reward. You're not going to receive the promise. And so we must have endurance. We do the will of God. We keep on doing the will of God throughout our lives. I often say, what does a believer do? A believer believes. You're a believer as long as you keep on believing. Some people, I believed once. I believed when I was six years old. And now I'm doing whatever I want. No. A believer believes. A believer who keeps on believing, that's what this is talking about. You keep enduring. Your faith is strong. You keep on believing through the whole course of the race. You're going to receive the prize. A person who doesn't believe anymore is not a believer, is he? That's just common sense. But a lot of people don't understand that. So we must have endurance. Keep on believing until the end. Keeping our eyes on the goal. We make a decision, a firm decision. Not only to begin following Jesus, but to endure to the end. 1 Timothy 2, 12 and 13 says, if we endure, there is that word again, endurance, perseverance, steadfastness, it's all the same thing. If we endure in the race of life, we, also, we will also reign with him, with Christ. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And so this is a sobering passage. God's word here makes the goal of our lives very, very clear. If we endure through life, if we, if we persevere in serving God, if we don't give up, if we keep on believing, we're going to reign with Christ in eternity. And that's not just speaking of certain Christians. That's speaking of every believer is going to reign with Christ. If you endure, if you make it to the end, you're going to reign with Christ as an overcomer. The Revelation speaks of it as overcomers or conquerors. And what's the opposite of enduring in this verse? The opposite of enduring is denying Christ. What does it mean to deny Christ? It means to give up on serving him. It means not to endure. It means to stop believing. It means to deny that Jesus is worth living and fighting for. And what is the consequence of denying Jesus in this life? Well, the consequence is that Jesus will deny that he knows you at the judgment. And that means you're going to spend eternity apart from him in hell forever and ever. So if someone denies Jesus Christ, if someone is faithful, the last line is often misinterpreted as well. If we are faithless, if we deny him, it doesn't mean God has done anything wrong. All the guilt is upon us. God has given us everything we need to endure. He is still a faithful God. And he is faithful to keep his word. And his word is, if we endure, we'll reign. If we deny him, he's going to deny us. And so we must endure to the end in order to reign with Christ in eternal life. But we're not on our own. We must believe that God will help us finish the race. Philippians 1, 6 says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of, Je of Jesus Christ. And so the good news is that we're not alone. We don't have to run this race in our own strength. God began a good work in every person who is a believer, and God is going to work in you to complete that work as you continue to believe, as you endure, as you persevere. And so give God free reign in your lives. Say, God, keep on working in me. Don't think you're 
you're a finished work. Far too many people think they've arrived, they know everything that there is to know about God, they know everything there is to know about the Bible. And when that happens, you become unteachable. You can't learn anything if you know everything. And that's a sorry state uh, for a person to be in. We all can learn throughout our entire lives. We all need to be teachable. I guarantee there's things that each of us believes that are contrary to God's word, that God needs to correct us in, that we need to grow in learning. And so the standard that we measure what we know about God's word, about the truth of God, the standard is not us. The standard isn't what we were taught in Sunday school 20 years ago. The standard is the Bible, the God's word. That is the standard that we measure truth with. And for God to complete his work in our lives, we must be continual learners. We must be open to learning new things from God's word, no matter how he brings it to us, whether it's on a Sunday morning, through our reading the Bible by ourselves, we must be open to new things that God wants to teach us, keeping our focus on the goal. Now, our personal focus is to be on finishing the race for ourselves. But is that all there is? If that, if that was all there was, that we just need to finish the race by ourselves and then go to heaven, you know, what is the point really in God keeping us alive? Ever thought about that? I mean, if the whole goal was to get saved and to go to heaven and that was all we were concerned about, we might as well just have, you know, very long baptisms, right? You go under and just stay under for a while and then you go right to heaven. Now, we don't do that here. I don't want to scare anybody. We, we bring you back up real quick, okay? Because that's not, that's not uh, how God intended it to be. The reason that you and I are still alive we're not just in holding pattern, you know, till we go to heaven. We've got work to do. God's got work for us to do. The reason that you and I are still alive, the primary reason that you and I are still alive as believers on this planet is that God wants to use us as warriors in the battle with the kingdom of darkness. We're in war, spiritual warfare. The battle that we are engaged in is the battle for the souls of people because there are other people all around us who are citizens of the kingdom of darkness. Now, they don't, most of them don't know that, but every person on the face of this planet is either in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. And our job as warriors is to fight the battle and rescue people from captivity in the kingdom of darkness and bring them in to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. And so, as a father, we are responsible, first of all, for the people in our families. We're responsible for our spouse. Some people have spouses who aren't saved. You need to do everything in prayer and example to bring them to the Lord. Other people, you have your children, and God wants you to make sure that your children are saved. Some of you are grandparents. You have a responsibility to your grandchildren to do everything you can to make sure your grandchildren are saved as well. And some of you have parents who aren't saved. Your responsibility is to bring your parents to the Lord and other relatives as, as well. We could go on, neighbors, workmates, and so on. Everybody you have influence for, you are a warrior doing battle to bring them into the kingdom of God. There are so many things that distract us from that goal. 
But that's the reason God saved us. We need to keep our focus on eternity, on the things that are going to last forever. And not get distracted with all the distractions of life. Making sure we endure to the end. And our goal is to take as many people with us to heaven as possible. And so today, we've spoken about fathers, we've directed it to fathers, but really everything applies to mothers, it applies to kids, it applies to youth, it applies to everybody. We must draw our strength from God. Each and every one of us is running the race of life. And God calls us to be warriors in this cosmic battle between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. He's given us divine weapons to destroy opposition to God's truth. We're not to be passive. We're not to say, oh yeah, whatever, we can't do anything. No, we are to destroy the falsehoods that are rampant in our day and age. There's more falsehood going around today than at any other time in recent history, at least in this country. We need to, to take our stand against the falsehood that is invading people's minds, drawing them away from the truth of God. And the goal is that not only do we endure, we first of all have to make sure that we're walking in that truth, but we also need to bring others along with us, rescuing people that are captives to falsehoods and lies of the enemy and bringing them into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of truth. And so God can help us as we grow in our knowledge of him and we persevere, we endure uh, with him as we walk with him in this life. Now, it all begins with making a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And you do that, first of all, by admitting that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. Not only do you admit, you repent of that sin. You turn away from it and you choose to believe or put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We must believe that Jesus lived. On this earth, a perfect life. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago, took our sins upon himself, and paid the price that we might be saved. And we commit our lives to following him as our Lord and Savior all through our lives. Not just one time, but all through our lives, enduring to the end. And when you do that, you become a believer. So I'd like to ask everyone to bow your head right now. And this morning, if you'd like to commit your life to Jesus for the first time or recommit your life, I'd like to ask you to raise your hand and then slip it back down. If there's anyone here that would like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or recommit your life, just raise your hand up and put it back down. We're going to pray, and I encourage you to pray along with me. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I turn away from my sin. I repent of it. I commit my life to following you, both as my Savior and as my Lord, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.